Black Velvet is proud to sponsor Creative Habits Podcast. Black Velvet is a Black-owned family business providing skincare products, handmade, intentional, and designed to nurture the skin and body. Lather in luxury with our signature Black Velvet Shea Butter. Our base is raw shea infused with essential oils and vitamins to revive and enhance your natural skin's glow. We offer unisex options and a grooming kit to ensure quick and essential groom for daily application for any occasion or season. Try our Beard Gang Kit collection, perfect for a man on the go with notes of barbershop orange and essential oils to protect and nurture your beard growth. Visit us on Etsy at Shop Black Velvet or follow us on Instagram by Black Velvet. Peace and thank you, family, for tuning into Creative Habits Podcast. I'm your host, Philip Anthony. And I'm your co-host, Indigo. We're based in Washington, D.C. with leading discussions on topics surrounding pop culture, business, lifestyle, and art with an occasional guest appearance within the creative and entrepreneurial industry. Okay, so we have a very special guest today, uh, Mr. Shaquille Dunbar, um, amazing and established photographer. Um, how are you doing today? I'm good, man. I feel blessed. Can't complain. It's good. So um, give me a little background about your story. How did you become a photographer? Uh, it started in high school. There was this project that uh, my high school teacher used to do every year for seniors. And it it wasn't photography, it was actually a video. So you'd make like a five minute video of yourself and um, you would present it at the end of the year. And then when I became a senior, she actually stopped doing that project. But um, I was just so excited for it that I already had a camera um, the year prior. So I was recording, Um, like I've been recording since like my last year of high school. So I got so many external hard drives because I got so much memory. Um, but that really started my, uh, that really started me into media. Uh, and I think after my first year of college, um, I transitioned into photography just because um, I needed a camera. And my mom, I said, if I, you know, can I get a camera? She got me one and it was main function was photography. So then I just started to mess around with that and it just kept on going from there. It's funny because uh, I guess we have a kind of a similar story. I went to um, college for film production and actually fell in love with photography during my um, tenure there. And uh, I've been a photographer ever since. So um, you're born in New York and you went down south for school. Um, What school did you go to? Uh, So no, I was born and raised in New York, stayed in New York until the age of 22. Um, and moved down to New Orleans uh, when I became like a teacher. So I joined Teach for America and that helped me move to New York. And that's where, I mean, moved to New Orleans. And then in New Orleans is when I really like developed my brand and um, took what I started in college and kind of told myself that like, all right, I've been doing this for X amount of years. Let me see if I can come into the real world and um, do this on my own and like just run my own business. And the city showed me love, and it's been growing since then. What was like? What was it like being a teacher in New Orleans? Amazing, <laughs> amazing. <laughs> I say teaching is the best job I've ever had, and especially uh, in New Orleans, where the culture is so rich. Um, every person you meet, like they're from New Orleans, born and raised, and um, they're proud about it. And from someone coming from New York, uh, New Yorkers are very proud as well. But um, it's different in New Orleans because, uh, you know, black is it's it just different in New Orleans. Like where in New York is diverse, right? You get a multitude of different cultures and races. Um, but in New Orleans, I can feel the presence of like, you know, African culture, Caribbean culture. My family's Jamaican. Uh, so, you know, when I first drove down to New Orleans, I was like, oh, this feels like a northern Caribbean island uh, to me. Um, so teaching there, it felt like home. Uh, it took a while to, like, get into the culture, just really understand the people. But 
um, they're loving people. And because of that, you know, for me, it was easy to uh, transition. Yeah, I've been to both cities, um, New York for the Afropunk Festival, which was amazing. Um, the thing I like about New York is um, it's a lot of different cultures, like you said, within one city, but um, there's a lot of like identity there and um, a lot of pride in New York. And um, in New Orleans, man, like it is like the polar opposite of New York. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like everyone's friendly. Um, when my lady and mm -hmm. I went down there um, just for a trip, it's like so many people were saying hi, waving, um, telling us, wow, you guys look good as a couple, you know, and the food is like, man, out of this world, <laughs> out of the <laughs> world. Like I gained at least like 10 pounds and we were only there for like four days. You know what I mean? <laughs> it's all love. You know, love is where the kitchen, you know, it's your love in the kitchen. So right, right. And you can like, you can feel like, like the ancestors down in uh, New Orleans, you know, I don't know mm -hmm. the type of, uh, it's just the type of energy there and trees that's like older than most humans, just, just, just out there. It was, it was a very uh, amazing and enlightening trip, you know? Mm -hmm. So TOD Photography, The Optimist Dreamer, how did you come up with uh, the title for your company? Uh, so in college as well. So TOD, the name started, I think around my third year of college. Yeah, because it was one of the times where I went through like one of the hardest, like emotional time for me. Um, so around my third year of being in college, I went to Binghamton, SUNY Binghamton, uh, three and a half hours outside of New York City. Um, it was around my third year. I wasn't doing too well in school. I was like a psych major, but not really wanting to be a psych major. I kind of just fell into it. Um, and I had one more year left and I just stayed in Binghamton for that summer trying to figure out like, what am I going to do next? Um, I got to figure it out because I only got one year. Uh, me being, like, my, like I said, my family is Jamaican. I'm the first, uh, I mean, like first American born. Mm. Uh, so just that pressure in itself. And I stayed there and I read a lot, read a lot of books, um, you know, read a lot of Asada Shakur, Malcolm X, just reading a bunch of quotes, journaling. Um, and I came up with the idea that like, you know, I have, if I'm optimist or like, if, yeah, if I'm optimist, you know, all my dreams can come true, right? Mm. I don't have to put myself in a box per se. So, uh, and my family was like, yo, do a career that you know once you get out, um, you can know you can make some good money. But at the same time, having this passion in the arts, I had to tell myself that like, it's you don't have to only do one thing, right? Like mm -hmm. if you're optimist enough, you all your dreams could come true. You just gotta have belief within yourself. Um, so I kind of just tagged the my brand as the optimist dreamer, being an optimistic dreamer that no matter what, no matter where I am, no matter what obstacles may stay in my way, uh, I can supersede those and I can do whatever it, it is that I want to do. Um, so I just used that and it fueled me. And since then, I've just been the optimist dreamer. I've looked at your work and it's amazing, by the way. And Thank I've you. noticed that you really highlight a lot of like uh, black and brown people. You know, it's like um, the way you photograph them, it, it complements their features, it tells a story, and um, it's relatable. Like, is there like, um, is there a thought behind it? Like, I just want to highlight black and brown people or how does that? So this is actually funny because this is a story I, I don't really tell people too much. And I don't know if I really shared it, but my first year uh, teaching in New Orleans, uh, I showed my website, I might have had a website at the time, I showed my students, um, and this was like a senior class, like I said, first year teaching, and one of my students called me out at the time, this is like my first year really starting before, like all my all my photos were like in New York, um, mm -hmm. that I had taken in New York, and one of my students said to me, she was like, I noticed that you don't have a lot of like black people in your photos. Mm -hmm. um, and that really like and that's something that I just didn't pay attention to at the time. I was just, you know, working with whoever would work with me. Um, 
And when she pointed that out, you know, I had to really reflect on myself, like, I am not showing my people like in my work. Um, if I'm if I'm gonna be an artist, you know, and I really want to represent like the, my culture, like I have to have my people in my work. Um, so from that moment on, like I made it, I made a conscious effort to show the essence of whoever I capture and really just being black and brown people. So when I'm taking photos, I like focusing on like expression. Uh, so to me, it's really the eyes. Like I'm looking at people's eyes all the time because I think that really, you know, the eyes is, you know, an image into your soul, um, you know, or a smile or some kind of distinctive expression that really captures either the feeling in the moment or it can tell the true story like behind that a particular individual. Um, and that's really how I like go into uh, doing portraits because like, like I said, like, I want to get to know the people that I'm taking a picture of and I want the people who are viewing the, the image to like get some kind of sense of who that person may be without like going into deep or without like um, having to say in the caption too much words about who that individual is. I can I can definitely see that representation matters, especially in our com communities, um, even though there has been a surge of, you know, uh, black and brown people in the media um, within the last couple of uh, years. Um, before that, you could hardly see us anywhere on TV or magazines or, you mm. know, and we all have our stories, our different stories. We're not monolithic. We all have a different story to tell. And I really appreciate artists and photographers like you that bring that thought to the forefront. Absolutely. Um, yeah, because you're right. Like. It just wasn't there, um, and like like I, like I said with New Orleans, them just being proud people, and mm -hmm. you know the school that I, I taught in was like ninety nine percent black folks. Um, mm -hmm. So for them to feel, for them to first see it and then like call me out on it, I appreciated it because um, that really like made me have to reflect and say that like okay, like I got to be more intentional because you know my people matter. Uh, I am here because of like you know, everyone who came before me. Um, and that's why, like, in particular, like, I shoot a lot of women because, like, mm -hmm. I was raised by women. Um, mm -hmm. And, you know, it's a, to me, it's an honor, uh, like, when a woman wants you to take a picture of her uh, in any way, shape, or form, because then you're, like, helping, you're presenting her as she wants to be seen, right? It's, it's a certain power in that. Um, so, you know, I try to approach certain projects or, you know, clients with the idea that like, you know, you could ask anybody, um, but there's there's a reason why I feel like you may have asked me. Um, when I was younger in school, um, I didn't really have a lot of black male representation for teachers um, until like later in high school. And I think subconsciously that kind of like, deterred me from going into a world of education or reaching some type of higher learning until later on in life. Um, do you think you being a black male teacher um, has impacted any of your students' um, futures at all or lives at all? 100%, 100%. Um, and like, like you said, being a black male teacher, because uh, even in the school that I taught, um, I think it was around my third year. I taught at a I taught at Edna Carr High School in New Orleans uh, for four years, and I think around my third year, you know, I was in like maybe a PD session, and people were saying, you know, there aren't that many black male teachers, and I was like, no, there has to be, like, I, you know, and I, and I thought about it, and I was like, wait, hold up, even in the school that I teach at, there aren't really like there are deans that are black, you know, there are coaches. Um, but there might have been like a handful. Um, and then even when you think about the white, your white counterparts, you know, they might even supersede how many like black, black male teachers that are in the school. So at that point, I was like, oh, like this is, this is crazy. But then like teaching my students and the way that I taught. So for me, every single day, I did this thing called person of the day, which is a portion of the lesson where I presented a historically significant African-American person from like, let's say like the 1800s until like present day. And then in that last quarter, 
I would have students present themselves. Um, and then that like played a huge role in like building my classroom culture, having students just who are not even in my class come to my classroom and want to build that relationship because they know that the education that they're getting in my room is deeper than what I taught, which was geometry. Mm -hmm. It was me like having real conversations with them um, because when you're going through history, real topics come up the youth they're going to have questions you're going to have to look them in the eye and have these conversations and they appreciated me one for tackling those issues and being willing to have those conversations with them and then just being like a black male figure that they could look at and say that like he is intellectual like he has a mind of his own he is business driven he's running a and i was i'm young you know at that time i might have been like the 24 25 so they're looking at me in many different ways but me being a black man in the classroom and showing those different layers and them like showing my history and where i come from and the fact that like i'm the first generation here so i really had to like grind and like build and like that just, it played a huge role, but it, it took a while to like, for me to understand the significance of my role inside the classroom. But once I understood that, it really played different dividends like towards the end. Yeah, like I always say representation matters. And like the old African proverb, it, it, it takes a village, you know, it really does take a village um, to have male role models to look up to whether it's a, a a young male or a young woman, you know what I mean? Um, some people may not have that in the household or some people may do have it, but still need that extra um, role model figure, you know, to help build the community up. It's extremely important. Uh -huh. um, what type of, this is a nerdy question, what type of equipment do you use? Like what's in your camel bag? Uh, at this moment, I am using a Sony A7 III, nice. primarily with the 24 to 70 or 85 millimeter uh, Sony lenses. And I got a 90 millimeter that I'll use for the beauty shots. And those are the three main lens um, that I work with. Yeah, Sony. Yeah, I, I had to transfer to Sony a couple of years ago because I got tired of my neck hurting after long <laughs> sessions with the Canon and <laughs> super big lenses. Um, same same thing here. That's the reason why I got I like I started with mirror when I uh that first year when I graduated college I started with like a Sony A six thousand and then mm -hmm. I, I went to a Nikon D seven fifty and then having that Nikon I was like whoa <laughs> this thing is heavy like I want something where like if I'm on the go. Um, I want like a more portable, a lighter camera because, you know, when you start putting things on the camera, it gets heavy. Yeah. Lens yeah. are heavy. If you got a, a bad, battery grip on there, it gets heavier. So I need this a little bit more compact. So do you mainly work with uh, natural light or do you use any external light sources as well? Um, external light sources because I, I prefer, what you think is I prefer doing studio sessions uh just because i feel like i could control everything with the lighting um especially like in new orleans where it's hot a lot <laughs> the sun yeah. is like it gets we get harsh sun mm. in new orleans right it's not that soft kind of like cloudy day it's like no clouds straight sun um so it can't it could can be difficult to shoot in that type of setting so for me i'll do either or but i prefer to work indoors yeah, when uh, we were down there for a trip in New Orleans, we were trying to figure out why no one was outside. And it was like <laughs> 95 degrees plus humidity. So mm -hmm. step heat, outside, yeah, and immediately sweat. It's not nothing to play with. Um, is it harder to get started or to keep going? What was the particular thing that had that you had to conquer? Um. Man, it's a little bit of both. I think getting started was definitely difficult um, because I moved from a totally different city, just kind of like hoping and praying that like it would work out. Um, and at the time when I got started, um, I mean, like, you know, Instagram was out, but I don't think it was as big as, you know, how people are using it now. Um, and really, I was trying to get work off of, or I was trying to collab with people on like Model Mayhem. Yeah. Um, or like, uh, like Facebook.
try to work with me. Um, and I got, I got lucky because someone from New Orleans, like someone, you know, born and raised, uh, hit me up and was like, oh, we want you to shoot this concept. And like, they had everything built out. They just like, like my style. Um, and then through working with this individual, it really like catapult me to like start working with other people because then people within the city saw that like, okay, they know this person and you know how social media works. They tag you, work just keeps going. And then um, from there, I kind of like built a formula on, okay, like now I'm building my network of who's in the city. Let me start working with people. Let me start uh, branding from there. And it's hard getting started because you got to figure out also what you want to do. Um, and that can be the hardest thing because there's just so many different things you can do with photography. Um, you know, learning the type of gear you need to buy when you start and you're thinking you go on YouTube, you go online and you're like, oh, I need this, I need that. And really you just need to learn the basics. <laughs> um, but to keep going, not, I wouldn't say that's not, that's not the hardest thing. It's really like at the point that I am is being selective on who I want to be on my projects um, and mm -hmm. being intentional about that. Uh, I, you know, there are times like for the past year, I didn't really do any work because of COVID and because like I was doing this public policy fellowship. So I was really focusing on that side of my career. But, um, you know, the other day I hopped on Instagram and was like, yo, does anybody want to collab? And then you know, I'll get like a bunch of people, which is like phenomenal. Like, I love it. But then it's like going through those people and trying to figure out like, okay, so who is real? Like who really does this or mm -hmm. who's just here to like, just want a picture because I'm trying to build something, right? I'm trying to be like intentional with the work. So, you know, it's never hard to keep going, but just like figuring the right people who belongs on like certain projects. Uh, it's probably a hard part for me. I can agree. It's hard to cipher through people. I want to say Instagram models, but well, since Instagram has become more popular, there's a lot more people who want to pursue a career in modeling, but doesn't really like know the basics or even how to pose or bring some type of emotion in front of the, in front of the camera. So it's hard for a person like me because, you know, everyone wants to get paid at the end of the day. That too, <laughs> that too yeah. And um, like, I, I have no problem paying people, but it's like when someone's in demand, they want to get paid like the, the top dollar, like they was on America's Next Top Model. You know what I mean? <laughs> so, yep. yeah, it's real tough out there. Yeah. Um, What advice would you give someone who wants to pursue the same career as you? Um, learn, man. Just learn your equipment, learn yourself. Um, focus on the business side of it that doesn't get spoken about enough i mean if you if you want to get in photography you got to be and you want to be successful at it uh not just be a hobby but you you know you're hoping to like make this like maybe a side gig or do this full time that business mindset got to be correct um and what i mean by that is like setting up systems you know uh understanding what does it look like when someone emails you and uh you're setting up a system where like how are you going to show them your prices? Like, do you have your prices online? Do, are you not that type of person? Um, you know, what does communication with your clients look like? Um, how are you going to make them feel comfortable? Uh, what does it look like after? What does payment look like? So like, you know, you could get as creative. Everybody got their own eyes. Everybody got their own vision for certain things. And that comes with time. Like that can't come overnight, but that business sense, like that needs to come just, that needs to be just as important as, you trying to develop what your lens is going to be or what your, you know, your aesthetic is going to be. Um, so anybody coming into the game, like I would say, don't worry about getting the most expensive camera. Just get you a, a good camera that, you know, could last you for a while. Um, when I first started, like I said, I had the Sony a6000 and I had the 50 millimeter lens. And what I would do is every day I, I lived in New York City and I would walk around New York City and just take pictures, just learning the camera, just like learning what I liked. I like building stories at that time. So like I would go around and do different events. I would go to protests, take pictures, learn my camera, go back home, dump the images, 
Uh, yeah, I use Lightroom at the time predominantly and just like mess around with Lightroom. You know, a lot of a lot of times nowadays people are self-taught, you know, they're using the best university in the world, YouTube. So I would go on YouTube, just watch stuff and just learn. Um, and the more interested you are in learning your craft, the better that you're going to get. You know, if you're just looking to be successful, that's not going to come because you got to love the grind, right? Like they always say that, like if you have a passion for something, you're going to love putting in the work and that's going to feed whatever you're trying to do. Uh, but I would emphasize to like anybody who's trying to be an artist, like not even photography, really like get your business mindset correct. Um, know how you're going to approach your clients. Um, and then, you know, that everything is going to work out from there. Because for me, I know that took me some time to like get that business side right and build systems that I know can function right uh, for me. Like I'm doing this part time right now. Uh, so I, I need systems that uh, function correct so that I could do my main job and not have to really worry about, you know, how exactly, you know, if this person emails me, how does this work? How am I going to send out contracts? What does invoice looks like? Um, so yeah, that's, that stuff is like super important. Yeah, I can agree with that. Um, when I first started out, I was kind of intimidated because every photographer or a uh, colleague that I had had like the latest lens or the most high priced camera. And you and me both know that photography is an expensive career to have. And, um, equipment become obsolete after like the first three years you know what i mean um there's always something new and better um do you just work with dslrs i mean uh mirrorless or do you uh dabble in film as well so i, I recently started dabbling in film um i think last year like before COVID, I had bought my first 35 millimeter. I bought a Nikon FE2 um, and started messing around with that just because I was doing, I've been shooting on, you know, DSLRs and mirrorless since 2013. Um, so for a couple of years now, and I was like, all right, like I'm ready to um tap into like that film world um, and it's cool like i definitely want to get into it more um and i recently rented a medium format um because i seen my wife i seen her mom's like old photos like i think she, like pregnancy photos and it was done on medium format and they look like phenomenal this might have these photos might have been taken in the 80s and they just look like amazing, like still perfect to this day. Um, and I just love the aesthetic behind it. So I rented a Mamiya 645, mm. um, bought a bunch of uh, 120 uh, film and messed around with that. And I loved it. I loved it. I really, um, at some point, I would love to get my own, uh, maybe get like, you know, a Pentax 67 or I thought about a was it Mamiya RB, but them things too heavy. Yeah, <laughs> I need I like portability. Um, so I've definitely dabbled it into a little bit. Um, it's something I want to explore more because I think, especially like I think nowadays, if you really start off with film and you switch to digital, you'll just be like on a different level because yeah. the level of precision you need to have when you press that <laughs> when you press the the trigger. I mean that that's that's money right there <laughs> that yeah, is you only get like a certain amount of frames when you're working with them exactly you get every time you take a photo that is money so you you're just like more aware of or more conscious of the photos you're taking rather than just pressing the button without any conscious whatsoever um which is cool like it's a totally different way to work um and i like that a lot because you're just more methodical um and I think it changes the way that you may work with a model because, yeah. you know, a lot of times when I work, I hear, oh, I don't need to worry about it because it'll be changed on, on, on Photoshop. Um, and anybody I work with, even like before the shoot, I like to tell them that like, we're doing this so that there's little work for me to do on Photoshop. Like mm. not because it can be done on Photoshop, we're gonna approach the situation like, oh, it's all good. like. 
when you have a film camera, that changes everything. Like, yeah, you could do some things on Photoshop, but the intention, the, uh, like you're, you're intentionally using film so that you're not like doing the extra editing. Yeah. You're, you're trying to keep that natural aesthetic um, and that beauty behind it because there's a distinctive look you get from film, even if, you know, you try to do it on, uh, you know, they got these presets or certain things you can do to edit your digitals to make it look like film, mm. but you can never get that. You can never get the same exact look. I recently started dabbling in it uh, myself um, before COVID and I recently purchased a Minolta. Um, I forget the model, but I was out in the field and every time I took a shot, I would look at the back of the camera. <laughs> like I'm programmed to, to look at mm -hmm. uh, uh, my, my mirrorless, like let me check for the image, but um, it makes you slow down. And like you said, you, you have to take intentional images with it, you know? Yep. Um, and it's a, it's a whole different process. It's definitely a whole different process. Um, what makes a good image to you? I just a feeling for me it's just a feeling. Like I say, like when I'm taking portraits, I'm looking at people's eyes. Um, so one picture that I, I got on my Instagram is like this picture of a baby sitting on like his mom's lap. Um, and that's one of my like coworkers, one of my friends, her sister, uh, my, my homie was doing this project and we asked one of her sisters and her mom could come out and we took pictures and I just took a picture of her baby like sitting on her lap and it's just like the expression, the mm -hmm. feeling I get just looking at it. I just know when I'm flipping through and I could take like a hundred photos and there, that there's that one that you're just constantly going back. There's just something about it. You can't put your tongue on it. It might be just like the twinkle of the eyes. It might be just a smirk like on a... Like it might be something so small, but um, when I feel something looking at the photo, like when I show somebody else and then like they just get a feeling, like even if you can't fully explain it, I know that like, okay, I got something. There's something here uh, rather than like just looking at it like, mm, I've seen this before. Oh, mm, there's nothing really like, it's just another photo. Um, so I'm looking at people's eyes. I'm looking at certain things that they're doing with their lips. Um, and then I really like to stick with the face. Like I'm a huge, like <laughs> just looking mm. at you. Uh, Cause I think, you know, that's where the soul is. That's where you really could tell, um, you know, who somebody is in that particular moment in time. Yeah, I can agree with that. Um, it's like you could, I guess, tell someone's history. Um, when I first started off, I would walk through DC and, um, you know, find homeless people, give them a couple dollars here and there, and just ask to take their picture. And it's like their whole life was written on their face, you know, mm -hmm. um, through circumstance, through whatever traumas that they've been through. And just taking that picture and sharing it brings awareness to different uh, situations and circumstances. Um, How do you how do you go about photographing um, protests? You said you used to go out and photograph. How do you go about photographing pro, uh, protests? Like, what's what's your thought process behind it? Do you go out there with a a certain idea on what you want to get? Do you go out and just snap away, or do you find like specific moments that make you feel a certain type of way? Um. A lot of it is just run and gun. Like I'm just out there snapping. Um, I'm looking around a lot. Like nowadays I've stopped doing that. Like like that. at first it was, okay, I'm going now, I'm just snapping a bunch of pictures. Um, and even then, like I, I'm, I'm a very observant person, like throughout like, not just photography, like I'm very reserved. I'm pretty quiet because I'm always sitting back just looking at what's going on. Uh, so even when, um, out there taking pictures of protests, I always take a step back um, and just kind of like look around me um, because I'm not afraid of missing a moment, right? Like sometimes when you do an event, you're like, I just got to keep snapping because what if I miss something? Mm -hmm. But I like to take a step back and just kind of like look around to see, you know, what's going on? Uh, where should I be? Where is this going to lead? 
um, what are the people feeling? Like I'm looking into people's eyes. I'm looking into people like how people hold in like you know their 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 uh, signs. Uh, does somebody have their baby next to them? How are they clutching their baby? Um, you know what what does it look like? Is there a mom with her kids? Who who are people with um, through this protest? And I think once you start you know thinking and looking, then you could like build those stories because a protest is a story. There's an intention behind it. Are people out there for a reason? Um, so looking at each individual and kind of figuring out like, okay, what kind of, why are they here, you know, without having to go up to them and ask them, because I don't want to take away from like that feeling and the reason that brought them to the protest, right? I'm not a videographer, so I don't, I don't really need to like, you know, hear anything. I, I'm more like, let me just take a step back and observe. And then through those observations and just like running around, I'm able to like capture um, some of my favorite photos. Um, I think the first protest uh, I took photos of was uh, Million Million Man March or Millions March um, New York City mm. back in like 2014, 2015. Yeah. Um, and it was a crazy, it was one of my favorite photos. It's black and white. Um, I remember I was like running down the street and I'm looking and I just stopped. I like literally stopped. I see like I'm looking at someone on my left and they're looking to their right and I see them looking to the right and then I look over and I'm right in front of a Starbucks or some kind of coffee shop and you can see the people inside looking at the march happening. And so I took a photo of the people looking at the march and then through the reflection you can also see what they're looking at yeah you know so yeah. that photo was like one of my favorite because it's just so many different layers to that right like you're you're looking at the people the person or the individuals in the shop and you're like wow look at their faces but you can see what they see and you can feel that and they're putting it in black and white you know that's for photojournalism right there it, it makes the picture um, timeless. That's how, I, I mean, I feel like black and whites kind of make things timeless. Mm. Um, so after that moment, that really showed me like, okay, there's more to it. You gotta be more methodical and not just like run around, you know, it doesn't hurt to stop. Um, there's no moment that you are going to miss, you know, but be intentional because at the end of the day, um, if I'm putting the photo out there and I'm trying to build a brand, you know, I want to. I want my photos to represent something. I want my brand to represent something, and that's being able to tell a story through a series of photos or just by image itself. I can dig that. Um, I went to uh, a march here in D.C. Um, I think it was a little bit after Anthony Brown died, or uh, what got murdered, and um, what blew me about the situation was there were. The Nation of Islam there, there was um, Moors there, there was the Black Panthers, like there were so many um, nomination of Black people and Black leaders in one, you know, and everyone came together and marched for a single cause, you know what I mean? And mm -hmm. just sitting there feeling that energy and capturing those images and showing people that we are as black people are not monolithic like we, we come in many different shades and facets and backgrounds and and what have you but at the end of the day when push comes to shove we always come together when we demand something to change or when we need something to change absolutely um just a few more questions for you do you have any famous photographers that you look up to or gain inspiration from? Um, I mean, you know, there's Gordon Parks, <laughs> who is like the legend. Um, I have a, I mean, no one specific person, individual, no one specific person, I would say. Um, I'm always looking at different photographers and what they do. Um, and then sometimes I don't like I look at like past artists um, and try to like look at different stories or how they shot things. But then I also don't like doing that because um, after a while, I like stop looking at other people's work, whether it be old or new, um, because then you fall into the trap of uh, trying to replicate it 
which you know isn't necessarily a bad thing. I, I think that's okay when you're like trying to learn. Um, but then, you know, you want to build your own eye. Um, but I just like the way that people like Gordon Parks just told stories and didn't really. It wasn't a like let's find a model, <laughs> let's find yeah. like let's do fashion. Um, it was more or less of like there are things happening in the neighborhood and we need to tell these stories. We need people to see like, you know, how, how do people, how does black people living in Harlem? Yeah. You know, what, what did, uh, what was it like when Ali was like really, you know, having to face all these different people because of what religion he chose or because he wanted to change his name. And, you know, so there was more, they were, they were intentional about like just telling the black story um, and for me, that's what I look at, um, more or less of like, uh, why, what was the purpose of photography back then? It was to show what was happening in the culture. Um, and for me, like, although I do work with models and I'll do like some fashion and beauty stuff, um, I like to layer it with some essence of like black culture. Um, so with that, like, that's why I might go back and like, look at, you know, previous, uh, black artists or um, I don't look really per se like you know my contemporaries right now um, just because I don't know the media is weird man <laughs> the media is weird I think it just has so much I mean I think the media always had power but I think it has like because of social media it has way more power now and I think that's it's influenced the way how people uh, you know, capture things. Um, it isn't the same how it is. Bef it was before. Before it was to tell our story. Right now, it's just for like whatever. <laughs> I just feel like it's not the same. I think social media is a gift and a curse. A curse at the same time because um, when I look at different photographers' pages, a lot of the work looks the same, whether. It's the type of model, the type of poses, the type of um, content, even the type of edits, like the tones all look the same. And I don't know whether people wants to compare themselves or um, mimic other people. I mean, that could be good in a sense, but um, it just seems like there's no individuality with it anymore, um, which is why I love your work. Um, there was a picture that I seen that really caught my eye on your website. I don't know if you were, it just looked like a, um, a neighborhood down South. You know what I mean? Like, uh, and there was a lady with overalls on and she had like so much going, like so much story and so much going on in her face, facial features. You know what I mean? And stories like that, are amazing for people who never been to that part of the world or, you know, that part of town, like just seeing that type of representation, um, it looks harsh, but yet beautiful at the same time. Like work like that, I really love and look up to. Thank you. Um, yeah, man, like sometimes I do fall, I myself even fall in the trap sometimes and like wanted to do things that I see um, that's popular online or I've done that like in my past but like now I try to be just I try to do what I want to do uh, and the best way of doing that is like not uh, looking online too much um, mm -hmm. but with like New Orleans going back to that like they have they are proud people of their culture like they're proud of their culture um, and one of the best things they have is like second lines, which is on Sundays. They're just like festival. I mean, they're just dances and festivals and like love shown in the streets. Um, all different neighborhoods do it. Um, and then that's when you can really, you know, capture people and tell those stories. Um, but all of that just goes back to what I feel to be like the original intention behind like a lot of our favorite artists um back in the days why they chose to pick up a camera because it was like we got to really show our people we got to make sure that when textbooks uh, are being made or when we make our own books uh that we have our history to show and um you know capture you know what we feel represents ourselves and then even with the editing part 
that has that's something that's so difficult for me to like think about like how I'm gonna edit my photos because really like I approach each photo differently. I might have certain things that I might do that's similar, but I try not to make or I don't want everything to look exactly the same. Like I want to look, but I don't want everything to be the exact same, if that makes sense. Um, just because I think that each scenario, each person is different. <laughs> you know, there's yeah. a different feeling that you know a photo may give you in that moment. So you can't really like, some people do have a template style, which is like great because it means consistency and that's part of your brand. Um, but at the same time for me, when I'm doing like storytelling, um, when I'm doing like photojournalism or whatever the type of style is, I wanna approach it um, in its unique way, just because what I'm capturing is, is different than what I may have done the week before. Yeah, it definitely reminds like, your work, um, it kind of reminds me of this New York-based photographer called um, Kalik Allah. I don't know if you ever heard of him, but he mostly takes pictures at night, like two or three o'clock in the morning, because you, you know New York is always busy. Mm -hmm. And he captures those people who just walking down the street, you might not even notice them. You know what I mean? Like people who are, who are considered invisible to like, the common person or whatever. And your work, your photojournalism kind of reminds me of that. Like it's showing us the people are here. They're not invisible. They're actual people with actual stories. That's the purpose. <laughs> I mean, every everyone's important, you know, everyone is important. And um going back to like the popular work right now, which is model, fashion, beauty, um, which is great because I do it. Mm. But at the end of the day, um, everyone is not a model, um, but we're all people. Um, and everybody want to be captured is just like, if you know how to capture those day-to-day -day people or those invisible people, um, then you can capture anyone in any given moment at any time. Um, it's really just learning how to connect with people on a different level. Yeah. Um, one last question, and do you mind if we play a quick little game called This or That after? Yeah, yeah, let's do it. All right. Um, what would you tell a young Shaquille Dunbar um, that's starting in the field? Like, what, what advice would you give a younger version of yourself um, that you know now that you wouldn't know before? Um everything you need is within you um and confidence is key especially in the in the in the year and the days of like social media where it's so easy to compare yourself and i fall into that trap mm. like i spent a long time just like comparing myself trying to find myself while looking for myself in other people's work or in other things that i saw online mm. um, when everything i have is right here within me um so i would tell young Shaq that like you know, it's okay to be nervous. It's okay to not know what you're doing, but that's part of the game that like, that's part of growth. Um, like my shirt, it says like, you never lose. I either win or I learn, you know, and, and that's just how you got to approach life. That's how you got to approach like this business um, because you, you can't lose when you're doing it your way. But the moment you compare yourself and try to like, you know, reach what you think another person may have, I mean, you're just going to lose every time because what are you really comparing yourself to? Um, you you really have no clue because you're basing it off of you know what you may see, not what you know. Um, so I would tell young Shaq to like just stay confident, you know, reflect in yourself, and like from there on, you you know, you got everything you need. You'll you'll go from there. I love that man. That's that's deep. All right, let's play this or that. Um, I'm going to give you. Um, I'm going to ask you a question with two answers, but you can only choose one and tell me why. Uh, okay. The whole world depends on your answers that you get today. <laughs> um, all right, let's start. Um, Nikon or Sony? Sony. Oh, I say why, you said? <laughs> yeah, why? Uh, because I like the technology. Um, I like their mirrorless cameras and they have a lot of lens. I mean, I mean, yeah, they got a lot of different lenses that I like. Mm. Okay. 
um, strobes or speed lights? Um, I'll go with strobes. Um, indoors, I think they're more powerful. Speed lights, they're cool for events and stuff for me, but I like my strobes. All right. Um, chili, beans or no beans? Oh, beans for sure. <laughs> for sure with beans. I don't know if it's chili if there's no beans in there. <laughs> um, a flat tire or run out of gas? A flat tire. <laughs> I could, you know, I got a donut in the back or, <laughs> you know, something, but run out of gas and I'm stuck. Uh, I don't know. I'm going to have to walk. You know, I don't know. I just feel more comfortable. If I know how to change a tire. I don't know what to do if I don't got no gas. Okay. Okay. Um, working with a model or photojournalism or street photography? Uh, street photography. It just, it's to my nature. I'm observant. Um, I like, you know, watching people. I like capturing what's going on. Um, and then there's like, <laughs> there's no burden or pressure. Mm. You just, you just working with the people. Um, volunteer or donate money? Um, volunteer. I think when you're volunteering, you could, you could do more. I could show more of myself. I can, there's lessons to be learned. It's easy to donate. Um, I think with volunteer, you know, you're putting in that work, you're really building connections. Uh, mm -hmm. So I put in volunteer. Um, college, yes or no? Yeah, for sure. Um, I think I learned a lot, not academics, like I, I didn't learn, like for academics, I didn't, I really didn't learn that much to be honest, but in terms of like socializing with people, learning different cultures, um, being independent, uh, there's a lot of things college can teach you. You can also learn in the real world, but I think college is more of a quote unquote safer environment because it's a little mm -hmm. bit more controlled and you got your peers there rather than just being thrown out in the world and then really just having to learn it like that. All right, last one. Uh, this is on potato chips. Sour cream and onion or barbecue? Sour cream and onion. What? Over I don't, the I barbecue? Know, <laughs> I know, I know. I love barbecue. I love barbecue, but I don't know. Barbecue chips just taste weird to me. And I'm a barbecue dude. Like, I love barbecue, but I'm going with that sour cream <laughs> and funky breath. Yeah, I could feel that, man. If this wasn't a choice, but I would uh, choose um, salt and vinegar all day. That's, that's a good <laughs> choice, too. That's a good choice, too. Well, um, I want to thank you again for um, joining us today. Um, can you let our listeners know how they can find your art or, you know, if they want to reach out for a, a session, how they can do that? Absolutely. And thank you for having me. Um, if anybody's looking to look for my work, you can find it on Instagram at The Optimist Dreamer, or you can go to my website at TOD Photography. Either or places work, you'll find me. You can book a session by going to contact, or you can just DM me on Instagram. I prefer you to send an email. And if you want to send an email, <laughs> you can send it at TheOptimistDreamer at gmail.com. Perfect, perfect. Uh, quick, my lady just said, tell your wife she said hello. <laughs> I will. I will. All right. Thanks, man. I really appreciate it. Yeah, most definitely. Thank you for having me. I, I really appreciate that. No problem. All right, man. Peace. Enjoy. Peace.